good to have you back in person today. It's good to be here. And also, we have a, even a larger congregation who's joined us live stream. We love you, and we're glad, we're glad that you are there as well. Now, if there were two things that I could be known for as far as ministry are concerned, I would want it to be these two things. Number one, that I encouraged people to read the Bible using the tool of the one-year Bible. And number two, that I encouraged people to pray using the Lord's Prayer. I mean, if somebody stands up at my funeral and says, say what you will about Steve Jones, but he encouraged people to read the Bible using the one-year Bible, and he encouraged people to pray using the Lord's Prayer, I will die a happy man. And part of the reason for that is, uh, I'm convinced, and of course I'm not alone, probably most of you agree with me, those two practices, reading the Bible and prayer, give us the greatest ROI, spiritually speaking. You know what ROI is? We have any investors out there? Return on investment. So the discipline of Bible reading, and of course I prefer the one-year Bible, I just think it's a fantastic tool, and the discipline of prayer, a prayer, a daily time of prayer, bring huge return on investment, spiritually speaking. Now, we're in a sermon series entitled Obey Everything, and we're looking at the commands of Jesus. As he said in the Great Commission, take the Christians, the disciples, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So we're looking at the commands of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And today, we're looking at the command of prayer. This, then, is how you should pray, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks to us about how we should talk to God. So I'm going to say three things about the Lord's Prayer, but I'm going to say two today and one more next week. We're going to break this into two parts. But the reason that this particular way of praying brings us such a powerful return on investment, we'll look at those reasons. One of the reasons, first of all, is because of the focus, the way it focuses us. All of my main points are alliterative today. They all start with F. And the first one is focus. In Matthew 6, 9, Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You'll notice right off the bat, in, in this first part of the prayer, there are no gimmies. You know, you ever read that children's book, Gimme Hands? We don't have the gimme hands out yet. In fact, you go through this entire prayer, it's got five basic parts. You're really not asking for anything until you get to that third part. And even that request is pretty modest. Give us this day our daily bread. But this is more of directing our focus to God, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. So we're reminded right off the bat. It's not about us, it's about God. That's where our focus needs to be. I talk with people sometimes about prayer, and on occasion, if somebody I know well, and I'll ask them about their prayer life, I've had people be very honest and candid with me about prayer, and sometimes people are frustrated and they're struggling in this area. And I've even had Christians who say, you know, to be honest, I really don't pray anymore. I, I just don't pray much anymore. I say, why is that? And usually it has something to do with this. Well, Steve, I, um, I tried prayer and it didn't work for me. Well, what do you mean it didn't work for you? And what they mean by that is, well, I asked for something. You know, maybe I was in debt and I asked God to help me with resources and it didn't happen. In fact, I, I wound up further in debt. 
Or maybe I prayed for healing, maybe healing for myself or healing for someone else, and months went by and I was not healed. They were not healed. In fact, maybe they even got sick and sicker and passed away. Or you know, maybe I am estranged from a family member and I prayed for a resolution to that estrangement and it just hasn't happened. Or maybe I prayed that my spouse would be easier to get along with and, you know, they're a bigger pain than ever. I read a book on prayer by Stormy Omardian called The Power of a Praying Husband. Great book. I recommend it. But what Stormy Omardian did, she's a great author on prayer, has several books, and this is just one of those, but for this one, she surveyed her female followers, you know, the women who follow her teaching and her conferences. She sent out a survey and she asked them, how can your husband best pray for you? And the top 10 responses to that survey, survey says, top 10 responses to her survey became the 10 chapters in this book, The Power of a Praying Husband. And you know what the, the number one response, which became the first chapter, was so, Women are asked, how can your husband most effectively pray for you? The top response was, pray that he will be a better husband. That's what, that's what it was. I thought that was so funny. How can your husband pray for you? Pray that he'll be a better guy. So, you know, maybe they get frustrated. So we pray that he's a better husband and he's not better at all. He's even worse. All right, so let me say three things about that. Number one, I get that. I can relate to that. I've certainly prayed for things or something to change that frankly did not happen or didn't happen in the way I was praying for it to happen. Uh, having said that, I would also say that when we pray for something or for someone or for circumstances to change, would, I mean, you'd probably agree with me, even though we don't see the answer in the way we're asking for it, I still believe God is working in those circumstances. Every time we pray, God goes to work. He's working somehow. It may be backstream. It may be in a way that we don't understand or have not seen yet, but God is working. But the third thing that I would say about this, if we, if we have been frustrated in prayer and prayed for things that we haven't received, is that's not a reason to stop praying. It's not a reason to quit praying or not start in the first place. Because prayer is not all about getting things. That's the main point here. We're talking about focus, is it? It may be partly about getting things. I think it is. But it's not the main thing. Probably not the primary thing. One of the primary goals for us to pray is to get God, right? To get God, so to speak, rather than things. It is to praise God, to thank God, to glorify God, to worship God to fellowship with God. And the Lord's Prayer helps us to orient in that direction. You think about David in the Old Testament. He's really the one who teaches us how to pray in the Old Testament through the Psalms. Psalms are really 150 prayers or, or songs. And if you're familiar with the Psalms, you know many of those Psalms have no requests from God at all. It's just David sitting down and says, I'm going to write out this prayer to God, and it's going to be all thanks and praise and, and glory to God. Didn't ask for anything. Abraham, in the Old Testament, known as a friend of God. Why is he called a friend of God? Because he's always asking for things? Not hardly. Many of the things that Abraham asked God for, or at least some of them, he did not receive. He is a friend of God because he loves God. 
He's close to God. He fellowships with God. And they're in fellowship together. You think about your best friends. Think of our best friends, our lifelong friends, not the friend list on Facebook. That could be a thousand people that we barely know. But your best friends, are they your best friends because they're constantly asking for you, for things from you? When they come over to your house, they plop down on the couch and they get out their their list here and say, all right, uh, Bart, Sue, Bill, Joe, I need a little money if you can help me out and my car needs to be repaired and by the way my gallbladder is acting up and can you drive me to the doctor and they go through their list of things that they're asking for. They don't do that. Now your friends may ask you for things and we're happy to do those things for them but why are they our best friends? We enjoy their company. They come over to our house, we sit down, maybe we have a meal, might play some board games, might play cards. You might even go on a vacation with those people because you just enjoy being with them. You join the fellowship. You get to know them, what their desires are, maybe their dreams and even their quirks. You get to know each other. So we're thinking about prayer this morning. And this is a big part of what prayer is. It's fellowshipping with God. It's spending time with God. It's getting to know God, getting to know His personality and interacting with Him. Colossians 3.2, Paul says, Set your minds on things above not on earthly things. How are we supposed to do that? Set your minds, talking about orientation and focus, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The earthly things surround us and they overwhelm us. They demand our attention. How are we supposed to set our minds on heavenly things? What are these things above? Heaven, God, the kingdom, spiritual things. Think about when you wake up in the morning. Those of you who are still working, we got some retired folks here, we got some folks who are still working. You wake up, you know, you went to bed thinking about that problem at work and what you have to resolve, and you wake up and it's the first thing you think about. I got this deal at work, I got to resolve this issue at work. It crowds in on us. And then so and so you got to check your text, and you got to check your email, and you got to check your tweets, and you got to check your TikToks and your TikToks and everything on the social media. You get, you're thinking about that. First thing you do, get that phone open, you got to get text those things. And if you and you still have some of you still have children in the home, right? If you got children in the home, man, here they come with all their demands and all their needs. And if you're married, you have a spouse. You got to think about him. You got to think about her. And when you wake up in the morning, once you reach a certain age, as soon as you open your eyes, you hurt. Your back hurts. You're stiff. You get out of bed. You got to watch how you bend so you don't throw your back out. You go into the bathroom and you look in the mirror. And that's when you say your first prayer of the day. Good Lord. (laughs) No, Lord, help me. And what am I saying? I'm saying the focus, the focus. First thing in the morning, the focus is all right here on me. When are we supposed to focus on things above? I'm glad you asked. All right, so, but what all I'm saying right here is first things first. What's so great? Why this great return on investment from the Lord's Prayer? It's a prayer. The way it's laid out is so much of us, so much of it is focusing us and orienting, orienting us to things above, to spiritual things. I got a couple of tomato plants out on the back porch. I've had them for several months now. And they're up against a wall, so they don't get the eastern sunlight. They get the, when the sun sets, they get the western sun. 
those tomato plants, see, I think that's east and this is west, right? My tomato plants lean toward the west. They lean out. They were straight when I planted them, and I got the little fancy thing that holds them up and all, but they still lean toward the west. I can take them and scoot the pot around so that they lean to the east. You know what happens within two days? They straighten up, and then they lean to the west because they know what their source of light and nourishment is. They orient in that direction. We have to have a time and something that orients us to things above. And that thing is prayer, focus, orientation. Now, let me move on to the second thing that I want to say today, and that's frequency. Frequency. We've got focus and we got frequency. And by the way, next week we'll talk about form. Next week we'll get into the prayer itself. We'll break down the five areas. Very, very important, I think, and very helpful. But right now, frequency. This is part of the prayer. Jesus says, pray in this way. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, as many people have noted, you can't use the Lord's Prayer as your model without praying daily. This is a daily prayer. I believe Jesus prayed through this type of prayer every day because he says, give us this day our daily bread. So we're going to pray daily. And by the way, we're not talking here about multitasking prayer. Right? You know, pray without ceasing. Steve, I pray every day. I pray on my drive to work. Lord, those people shouldn't be in the passing lane. Have them move over. They're so slow. Get over in the right-hand lane and get this guy off my bumper. Woo, that was a near miss. Lord, thank you. That's multitasking prayer. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. We pray throughout the day. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Obey everything. We're going to obey Jesus. Because what did Jesus say? When you pray, you want to go into your closet to pray. What does that mean? doesn't mean we're going into our closet so we can pick the outfit, pray over the outfit I'm going to wear today. You know what it means. He, he means, I want you to set aside a time without distractions that you're going to devote to prayer. And you want to do this every day. Old Bart Simpson had spent the whole school year goofing off. And his grades were so bad, his teacher said, Bart, we got this big end-of-the-year exam, and if you don't pass it, you're going to be held back in the fourth grade. Well, that was the next day. So Bart went home, and instead of studying, he spent the whole day goofing off, playing video games with Homer. And so when it came to be bedtime, he laid down in bed, and he realized, oh, my goodness, I'm not ready for this test tomorrow. I'm not going to pass. I'm going to be held back in fourth grade. And so as he went to bed that night, he prayed a prayer. Here's the prayer that he prayed. Well, God, I guess this is the end of the road. I know I haven't always been a good kid, but I have to go to school tomorrow. If I have to go to school tomorrow, I'll fail the test and be held back. I just need one more day to study, Lord. I need your help. I need a teacher strike, a power failure, a blizzard, a pandemic, anything that will cancel school tomorrow. I know it's asking a lot, but if anyone can do it, you can. Thanking you in advance, your pal, Bart Simpson. And as Bart closed his eyes, the snow began to fall outside. Sure enough, they had a freak snowstorm. School was canceled. And Bart locked himself in the basement and forced himself to cram and to study all day long. Next day, school was open again. Bart goes to school, took the test, and passed with a D minus. He was so excited, he ran all the way home with his test. He said, look, look, 
I passed, I got a D minus. And Homer said, we're proud of you, boy. And then Bart said, thanks, Dad. But to be honest, a part of this D minus belongs to God. Now, what's my point right here? My point is this. If we're satisfied, if we're content with D minus in our spiritual lives, then sporadic crisis praying will get that job done. If we're satisfied with a D minus in family, with a D minus in spiritual growth, with a D minus in uh, church, kingdom work, then sporadic crisis praying is just fine. But if we want more than that, if we want what the Bible calls the abundant life, we've got to do a different kind of praying. And it's, it's this, this is why it's so important, this return on investment. It's setting aside a time to pray and to pray in a certain way. We learn the law of process. The law of process, one of John Maxwell's leadership maxims, is that we overestimate the events in our life we underestimate the processes. We, maybe we go to a marriage retreat. It's a two-day marriage retreat, and we learn all kinds of techniques. That's an event. If we don't come home from that retreat and put those into practice, those techniques, we will not benefit. So we overestimate the events. We underestimate the processes. The mountain is moved a day at a time, not in a day. And we establish this discipline, this habit of prayer. And it's that prayer process that makes the difference in our lives, especially spiritually speaking, over time. Brennan Manning, in his book, The Ragamuffin Gospel, imagines a scenario where a woman comes to him asking for spiritual help. And he says to her, Describe to me your prayer life. And she says, well, it's not that great. I basically say grace before meals. And Brennan Manning, in all transparency, imagines his response. You say grace before meals? Isn't that nice? I say grace upon waking and before retiring. And grace again before reading the newspaper and turning on the TV. I say grace before walking and meditating, before the theater and the opera, before jogging, swimming, biking, dining, lecturing, and riding. I even say grace before I say grace. That night, he writes, soggy with self-approval, I go before the Lord, and the Lord whispers, you and great. Even the desire to say grace, the desire is itself my gift. You see what he's saying right here? As we talk about prayer and maybe best practices in prayer, you know, I don't share what I'm sharing because I think I'm all that. I, in fact, I have so much to learn in this area of prayer. And we have a broad spectrum of experience in prayer right here and maturity in prayer here and from those watching. All the way from novices who maybe say prayer, before, say grace before a meal to those who are prayer warriors and maybe they pray an hour a day or two or even more every day and could hold a clinic for us a master class on prayer last a half a day or a whole day and we'd all benefit from that and then we have everything in between 
And some of what we talk about, like establishing a daily prayer time, that may, that may seem so basic to some of you. But, but bear with us in this, because we have folks that need to establish the basics. And some of what we talk about, especially next week, that may seem, oh, unrealistic and out of reach. Well, bear with us. Because we have people who are very experienced in prayer and, do are good and doing good, but who need to take it to the next level. We're just sharing in these things. So it's one beggar talking to other beggars about where to find the bread and how to find the bread so that we can all benefit. Let me read you one more quote. This is about the Benedictine monks. Remember the Benedictine monks, St. Benedict? They lived in monasteries. Listen to their daily routine. A typical day in the life of a Benedictine monk began in the middle of the night when they arose for the night office. The night office. Now, the word office here is not the place where you go to work, and it's not a, a TV series you may binge watch on Netflix. Office means, in this context, a ceremonial observance. So the night office was a nighttime prayer observance. No less than 12 psalms would be said, together with three scripture readings, several hymns, and prayers. Sunrise brought the morning office, followed by six other breaks during the labors of the day for remembering God. Seven times a day set aside for prayer and the recitation of psalms. Together with their night vigil, more than 29 psalms would be said every day, not to mention numerous lessons, verses, prayers, and hymns. Now, why do I quote that? To make us all feel guilty? <laughs> not at all. To make this point, the lives of these Benedictine monks, even their very environment was structured around God and reminding them of God. They needed seven periods a day to focus and orient their minds on spiritual things. How much more so do we need something in our lives and we don't live in an environment that's structured to remind us of God? Our environment is wild. It's the very opposite of that, pushing us in the opposite direction. We need something every day to help us think and focus on God. You can't tell by looking at someone what their prayer life is like. Just like you can't tell by looking at someone typically what their heart health is like. Isn't a skinny person may be very sick on the inside. A heavier person may be very disciplined and aerobic and, and, uh, and be very healthy in their heart on the inside. When I go to give blood, you know, every 57, 58 days or so, they'll take my blood, they'll, they'll listen to my heart rate, they say, do you exercise? I say, yeah, I walk every morning. They say, it always shows up in the heart. That's where the exercise shows up. Well, likewise in prayer. We can't tell by looking at people, but when we have this discipline and this practice of prayer, you know what it shows up? It shows up in the heart. I mean, the Pharisees put on a good show back in Jesus' day. They looked very holy to everybody, but God wasn't hearing from them in prayer throughout the week. This then is how you should pray. Prayers that focus on God, daily prayers set aside for the Lord. It's going to show up in our hearts. All right, I want to close this morning. Let's recite together the Lord's Prayer. I want to put these words up here. Hey, if the way you learned it varies just a little bit, that's fine. 
But let's say this together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Amen, depending on how you learned it. Amen. Thank you.